The message you are listening to was recorded by Campus Outreach Minneapolis, the College Ministry of Bethlehem Baptist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota, for the 2016 New Year's Conference. More information about New Year's Conference can be found at newyearsconference.com. Uh, will you pray with me and bow your heads? Lord Jesus, we are thankful that uh, we can be here, we can enjoy another uh, day uh, to exalt you. We are thankful that we can be together and... Uh, and brag about you, make much of you, Christ, and we pray that that would be the case, that you would give us um, a picture, a glimpse of what does it mean to uh, live a life uh, well and worthy of the calling you've placed before us, Jesus. We pray that your Holy Spirit would guide our time, that you would, you would feed our hearts and birth in us a passion for, uh, for making you known and, and, and multiplying our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Think about it. What would you do? Um, I've, I've, I've thought my, to my mind sometimes, like, hey, what would I do if I had, you know, if in any way, if I was Jesus, if I was, you know, and I, and I had an opportunity, I had three years to, uh, to allow the, the, the known world, the whole world to, to, to know me uh, and to become a follower of mine. What, what would I really do? You had all power. Have you really thought about that? If you think about what would you do, you had all power. Would you... Um, think about that. What would you do? Would you maybe uh, have a lot of premonitions happen all over the place, you know, where you have all these sightings of yourself? Uh, in my mind, uh, I often think I would do a lot of supernatural things. I would think that, you know, in my own flesh, I can kind of just make supernatural things happen and a person would get scared and want to know me and love me and, or I would place myself in different places. Um, I could think of a lot of things that I would do but what blows me away is I, as a Christian and as a man who desires to serve Jesus, I am always blown away at his method to winning the world. I'm, I'm, it's, it's, it's downright, it actually just doesn't make any sense to me of the way that the Lord himself saw, hey, no, this is the way I win the world. If you can look at Matthew 28, and let's walk through it real quick. We've walked through the first two verses. I'm going to plow through it and just show you how it all comes together. Uh, it says, and Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. We talked about that Jesus is, is validated as the king, as he has risen from the dead. Because of that, he has all authority. He said, everyone should be worshiping me. I deserve the worship. I deserve the honor and praise. But the reality is the world is not exalting me, is not worshiping me. And so what I want you to do, disciples, as he's talking to these men, I want you to go Therefore, and make disciples of all nations. I want you to go. I want you while going. I'm considering that if you're my people, you're going to be going. And what I want you to do is that one imperative. I want your life, as you are now my people, as that beautiful testimony of that young lady who said, I, I'm Christ. God has saved me. Now you have this mandate to be the sent people of God, to make disciples. And how do we do that? He says, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. That I want you to go and I want you to see people and you'll see them being a part of Satan's family, immersed in the things of, of evil, identifying with the family of evil and Satan. And what I want you to do is I want you to provide that opportunity for them to see the life of hope, to hear the life of hope through your words, and allow them to by God's grace, and when he regenerates them to move over to the family of God, to identify with the family of God, to be immersed in the family of God. 
I want you to baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And not only that, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. You've been around me for years. I've quoted over 60-something Old Testament passages. I've alluded to over hundreds. You've seen me live the word, be the word. Teach them everything that I've commanded you, both in words and in the deeds you saw. And behold, you don't have to do this in your own strength. I'm not asking you to, to put on your boots and strap them up hard and get ready just to work. I'm not asking you in your own strength to go and accomplish this impossible plan but I want you to understand this plan that I'm giving you, he says, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age, that I'm going to provide the helper, the Holy Spirit. And what he will do, he will bring glory to Christ because very, the very guy that has risen Jesus Christ from the dead will now be living in you to empower you to accomplish this impossible task. This is what he tells us to do. This is his plan. His plan after the resurrection, before he sits at the right hand of the Father, he says to all of us, what I want you to do is I want you to become a multiplying people. That the way I'm going to reach the world is through you. It's through you. It's through you. When you realize now he's asked me to leave a legacy and multiply my life. Said in another way, if you... We'll write this address down, 2 Timothy 2, verse 2. The scriptures read, You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. I added that last part because the whole context is him talking about what does it mean to live well? What does it mean to be a good soldier in Christ? What does it mean to fight the fight of faith well as he's encouraging Timothy? And I love that he provides this, 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 this aspect of, 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 of multiplication, of having generations, of leaving a legacy. And in that legacy, what does he say? He says, and what you have heard from me, from the presence, in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will teach others also. He talks about four generations there. Think about that. The way that God wants to win your campus. See, God is not winning your campus, and your staff team does not think, and I hope they don't think, I'm pretty confident, that God has them as staff people, so they, as it were, could win the campus to Jesus Christ. But I want to propose to you that God has placed the staff and leaders on your campus so that they can equip people and so that in multiplication, the campus could be won to Christ. That in humility, the teams all across the nation are trusting Jesus and his plan that as Jesus used even them, all of us unlikely, weak, messed up people, that he'll actually win the world to himself. He wants to use you to leave a legacy, to leave your campus and be able to come back in two years and you meet someone and they say, oh, yeah, I heard about you because you discipled the guy that discipled me. Let me do a couple of things real quick. Let me define 
what it means to multiply. Can we can use this word multiply. Well, how do I know if I'm multiplying right, Eric? Or, well, let me, let me help you understand just, just some clear metrics if that's okay. What does it mean to multiply? I want to say you take that top shelf theology that we've looked at in Matthew 28, and we've looked at the, the, main, the main verge imperative, make disciples. We looked at the adjectival participles, which tells you how to actually accomplish the main verb, right? Going, right? Baptizing and teaching. Well, you can't go around campus saying that. You sound kind of weird. So you've got you to contemporize that a little bit, right? We need to, we need to contextualize that. And well, in, our local, in our local body, what we, the words we use is what we're simply saying, what it means to multiply as you want. And what our dream is as leaders is we want you and those that you are pouring into to be men and women who can walk by faith. That means they are walking with Jesus. They are spending time with the Lord. They are developing their prayer life. They are they're, they're continually demythologizing their heart where they're seeing the myths in their life and they're taking them out and they're replacing it with spiritual truth. You're walking with Jesus Christ. He is your king. He is your savior. He is your rescuer. You're enjoying Christ. Walk by faith. You want an individual who can communicate their faith. They understand the good news. They are articulating the good news to other people. There's a consistent diet of someone who's proclaiming the gospel in word and deed in their life. Someone who's walking with Jesus Christ, who's communicating and understands how to communicate their faith, and they're communicating their faith to others. And a person who's multiplying their faith. Walking by faith, communicating your faith, and multiplying your faith. Multiplying your faith. Someone who doesn't just say, okay, I'll just, I'll just talk about Jesus, but guess what? I'm going to do the, the hard and dirty work. Let me propose to you that discipleship, spiritual multiplication, is actually difficult. It's difficult to labor. Galatians, Paul says, I, I labor with you. I, I, I work with you until, like, like a, a woman who's having a baby until I saw Christ formed in you. That doesn't sound fun. I have five kids. Let me tell you, that's a, a change of life when you see your wife have a baby. This, this sense of agony of, of being prayerful about a brother or sister as you're, as you're, you're spending time with them and you're in a word with them and, you're, and you sin against each other and you hurt each other. And you're, it's a hard journey. But, man, God is saying, hey, if, if we want to accomplish Matthew 28, we want to be faithful to Matthew 28, I, pro- I propose to you that multiplication is just, it's just an implication of what he's saying in Matthew chapter uh, 28 there. Walking by faith, communicating our faith, and multiplying our faith is what it means. I want to propose to you, if you're, if you're wanting to know the litmus test, what does it mean for me to multiply my life? And your team, your leaders want to put you in a position and train you so that you might be able to exalt Christ and be doing that well. Well, how do you do it? So if you say, okay, I want, I want, all right, Eric, I want to walk by faith, communicate and multiply faith. How do, what does it look like practically for me to be walking, being in step with that? Well, in essence, we're asking, how do we fulfill Matthew 28? I would say, I would use these three words. In our local body, we use these three words to say, hey, if, if we're doing these, things, these three things well, I think we can say, we can look at Matthew 28, 18 through 20 and say, Lord, you've been giving us the grace to be faithful in this, in this arena. And that is word relationship ministry. Word relationship ministry. Is that if we, are, if we as people are constantly getting a healthy diet of the scriptures, um, now, now, here's the thing. You can be in a Bible study 10, 15 years and really never learn how to study your Bible. 
okay? So, so even as you're in right now, I want to encourage you, it's not enough just to kind of be, get indoctrinated. But again, the assumption is that you're going to be a multiplier. So you need to learn how to understand the passage and learn how to teach others the doctrine of faith. So a steady diet of the word. We've talked about ministry two or three times. The importance of ministry, which I propose has two prongs. We haven't been able to talk about the second one. But service and evangelism, I would say, holistically makes up the concept of ministry. Serving and caring for people, providing an incarnational hand for them to feel and see Jesus through your actions, and then you proclaim in the gospel with your mouth. So when we're getting a steady diet of the word, and we're, and, we're, and, we're, and we're sharing our faith. We're, we're doing ministry. We're out, we're out engaging culture. And I propose the last one. I, there's no scriptural you know, mandate, but it just seems that it's actually the glue to make it all happen. And that's relationship. Now, I can, I can point to different aspects, you know, where, where Paul talks about the intimacy he has with those uh, that he's been in training with. He talks about Thessalonians. I just gave a, a verse in Galatians. We see Jesus model it throughout the Gospels, how he cared for many people, but then he had his, his 12, and then within the 12 he had his three. We see that. And so it seems if we have, if we, if we have a, a healthy relationship with people and they see that we care for them and we're not just trying to do something to them, and we're constantly communicating, we're in an environment where we engage in culture with our faith, and, we, and, we're, and, we're, not, and, and we're diving in a word, I want to propose that you and I would be men and women who in essence will be multiplying our life. But I want to encourage you, if you too much of one and less of the other, you kind of can get really, uh, you can be kind of a, a spiritually imbalanced Christian. Right? If you're always in the Word, you just look at theology, theology, the study of God, study of God, right? And you have a relationship. You, you and your boy, y'all always in the Word. You're arguing over stuff. It's great. You're reading this. You're reading that. And you guys are great, great. You're very connected to someone. But you're not ministering. I, I can't find out a term. A friend of mine told me years ago, man, that's called spiritual constipation. Right? It's all coming in, but it won't go out. Dishonors the Lord. God, see, God didn't save you so you can just get smarter. The Lord saved you so you can reflect and tell of his goodness. So we don't want to find ourselves always growing, growing. Oh, man, yeah, I'm so deep. I'm so deep. Look at me. I'm so deep. But, man, are you telling anybody about Jesus? Are you, are you putting your life, are you putting yourself out there for the greater good of Christ? So maybe you, you're doing a lot of, you know, you're doing word, you're doing a lot of ministry, right? But the person, you, the person you're trying to care for, there's no relationship. You get together, you're in the word. You get together, hey, let's go do ministry. And the person's like, dude, do you care about me? Have you asked a question about my life? Like, how would you feel if somebody did that? Every time you got together, you got together with a staff member. It was output, output, output. Let's go minister. Get in the word, get in the word, get in the word. Man, I'm struggling over here with my identity. I'm struggling over here with friendships. What would you feel like? 
You're just on a conveyor belt of Christianity that's plopping you out like a widget. It's not helpful. It's not helpful. Or maybe you have, you know, this great relationship. You're, you're doing ministry, but you're not in the Word. Well, who knows what you are proclaiming? That's how cults start. That's, you know, you get people with this, this, this horrible doctrine, a horrible understanding of who God is. Because people are very excited about serving, but they haven't spent time to equip themselves in a pure, unadulterated word. So what does it mean to multiply? You walk by faith, you communicate your faith, you multiply your faith. And, man, if I was to put that in a word of, okay, so what does that look practically? You know, word relationship ministry, engaging those really well in a balanced way will provide an, an environment for you to be able to multiply your life. Here's why we don't multiply. There's many, many, many different reasons, but I want to, if I can share a few to encourage you of some, some, some roadblocks that might occur in your life as you think of multiplication, which again I'm proposing is the methodology behind Christ's desire to, to win the world to himself. We just talked about a flawed theology, just not knowing, just simply you just have bad theology. Um, not realizing that, oh, this is something, this is, this is not optional. This is what it means. This is what it, to, to actually engage the gospel in this way is what it means to, to experience full humanity. Like when I'm actually being what I'm supposed to be, right? a, a worshiper, making much of Christ, building, building worshipers for Christ, that I'm literally operating in, in light of what I was created to be about or, as it were, newly created to be about. Or an unhealthy view, I would say. Here's another one. Unhealthy view of intentionality and commitment. I think all, many times derail young people from multiplying their lives. Let me say it again. An unhealthy understanding of intentionality and commitment. See, in our culture, we actually believe that the less intentional you are, the more authentic you are. We are so dumb to think that. Right, that the more I'm just kind of like, whatever, I'm just out here, I'm real, man, I have to do whatever, you know, whenever I want to do it. We think that's authenticity. We think that's, that's, that's being real, right? And so we have downplayed strategy. And I think it's a trick of Satan because, man, you look at the Scriptures, and I'm like, man, I don't, I don't think of a more strategic person in all of history than Jesus. I mean, brother, walk past a tree, tree die. He got to teach a moment. You know what I'm saying? It's crazy. Everything he did, he was strategic. Even when it looked like it was dumb, he was like, that was for a reason. He put mud on people's eyes. Jesus, what's that about? Extremely strategic. And you know how it is. In our day and age, think about it. If anyone needs to be strategic and intentional, it's, it's us. In this day and age, with all the noise that comes at us and how busy and all the information, how many of you guys have done that where you hang out, you see somebody. I mean, it, it has to happen here, right? Especially, I'm sure, the staff. Hey, man, I haven't seen you in a while. So good to see you. Hey, sis, what's going on? It's so good to see you. We haven't seen you. Oh, how you doing? You're doing good. Man, we didn't hook up some time. Okay, yeah, let's hook up. Okay, let's hook And you say that for like six months. Have you ever had that? Even though we're going to hook up, I'm, I see, we're going to we, we hook up, man. I, yeah, we hook up. And then it's like, you know, June. 
I mean, I know I'm going to hook up. I'm telling next year I'm going to hook up. Right? Right? Do, you know we do that, right? Well, may I say, isn't it, isn't it, isn't it wiser? You see, you, know, most wise, you see someone, you go, oh, man, James, it's been so long, man. What are you doing Wednesday? Oh, you're busy Wednesday? What about Thursday between 2 and 4? Let me ask you a question. Who do you think cares for you more? The person who says, I want to intentionally connect with you. Or the person who says, well, whenever it happens. So intentionality. We, we, we run around, and, and Satan lulls us to run around, run around, run around, so that we can't be strategic, so that we can't multiply our lives and make disciples. Strategy is not an enemy of the gospel. It's an absolute friend. So intentionality, but also commitment. Who in the world is going to share, you know, who's going to share their deep sins? Who's going to share their, their issues of pornography and same-gender attraction and uh, habit of lying and, you know, fear of individuals and deep insecurities with someone that you don't know if they're going to be here in a year to care for you or in four months. The reason why your leaders are asking for commitment is so that there can be deep, healthy, meaningful relationship. It's not to be rigid. It's to be strategic for a goal that actually builds God's glory in your joy. So I beg you, be intentional and commit and committed. When you head back to campus, I want to ask you to look at your schedule. And as you schedule a managerial accounting and you schedule biology, you need to look at your schedule and say, where am I being developed in my spiritual walk so that I can be a multiplier of my life so that when I leave this campus, there will be a legacy for God's glory? May I ask you to do that? May you consider that? May you pray about that? Here's another reason why, why people don't multiply. Man, it, it, it's just not sexy. It's just hard. It's, uh, people don't know when you're pouring into somebody, right? There's not a lot of glory in it. And so, you know what? I'm going to give them my time. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to consistently chase people and meet with them. And people are going to stand me up. And I'm going to still try to be faithful to them. And, man, I could be doing all these intramurals and doing all this stuff for myself and consuming, consuming. And you want me to spend my four years in college pouring into people and no one know about it? You want me to be that other-centered so that Christ might be exalted? Absolutely. Because I want to tell you. It's difficult, and there's not a lot of glory, but man, it is the most, it's, it's, fully, it's being fully human. It's the most, I would say, gratifying thing pragmatically. 
Even if it wasn't, we need to be obedient. But what's cool is I love that God gives us these kind of opportunities. And you know what? They actually build joy in our life. They actually, God uses it to, you just, you just you go, wow, Lord, I'm glad I get to be fully human in this way. So it's hard. It's difficult. I have like four, four more, but for sake of time, I'm going to, it's going to move us on here. Share, share one more. Um, I think it's hard to, to multiply your life if your gospel as in its essence is self-centered. It's going to be very difficult if the way you view Jesus is really about, okay, he's balanced out my life. I love Jesus, but I really want to do what I need to do, and I'm going to put up these walls to make sure I accomplish my plan in the midst of God's plan. Which if we really pause, a lot of us are, we're building a, a, a theology like that. Here's when I, I, you know, I've discipled men throughout my life, um, so I don't, I'm sure we all struggle with this, but, but men, you know, one of the biggest reasons why men don't disciple, fear of failure. They won't articulate it, but either in a failure sense of like, I don't know if I can do this, or we look at our life and we see our brokenness and we think we have a wrong view of self that we need to be perfect in order for us to pour into others. And so we're like, well... I still got this air in my life of sin where I'm trying to give it over to Jesus. I'm, I'm struggling, but I'm fighting hard. When I accomplish everything and I'm perfect, then I'll come, I'll come do that work. Versus fighting with someone, being on a journey with someone, and having your CO leader and you and the guy you're discipling, you guys are all fighting sin together. And enjoying the gospel. I, um, I went to Miami. I did my undergrad at Miami of Ohio. Uh, was an um, operations finance guy. Uh, went to Miami uh, through a bunch of circumstances. I, I, I grew up selling drugs. My mom and daddy were drug dealers. Um, got in a scenario where I almost killed a guy in high school. The guy never pressed charges. guy used that even before I was a Christian to like jolt me to like trying to live more of a legit life, whatever that meant. I just wanted to be rich, wanted to get out of the ghetto, um, went to Miami, Ohio. With that in mind, I uh, was doing my thing, was on my trajectory. All of a sudden, uh, people started talking to me about Jesus. Um, it didn't mean a lot to me because in my community, people were, everybody was talking, you know, Jesus was part of the culture. So, uh, but, but God, for some reason, gave me the grace to realize I, I wasn't a believer as people continue to discuss Christ around me, you know, invite me to Bible studies and pursue me in so many different ways, like, like many of you have been pursued. Um, I remember being scared to death uh, two days before New Year's, my freshman year, at a conference similar to this, knowing that my life was going to change because God had given me the grace to realize, man, I'm, Jesus, sa- Jesus is going to save me. And I was scared. I didn't know what was going to happen. Uh, the next couple years, uh, the most influential man in my life, a guy named Roger Hershey, uh, began to grab hold of me, disciple me, uh, began to teach me from what is it. You know, it's interesting. It wasn't just theology. You know, Roger Hershey actually just taught me manhood. Uh, what does it mean to, uh, to love a, a woman? What does it mean to honor 
women as your sister? What does it mean to care for people? What does it mean to see my insecurities and to, to understand my weaknesses and what can derail me from a life of ministry? And then he began to take me around campus and help me uh, learn what is, how, how to build a ministry. What does it mean to multiply my life? Uh, we shared our faith. Uh, and literally, we would have, you know, I was, uh, I was in the corridor, you know, when you're in a dorm. And he, he's like, hey, okay, so who... Who are you trusting the Lord for? Where's your corridor? And he would say, hey, let's just go talk. Let's try to have a goal that we, pre- we preach the gospel to every member personally in your corridor. Uh, God built a, a spark in me after that where my next year, I was an RA, became an RA. I wanted to stay on campus because it was more strategic at that point. Uh, and I asked the Lord, give me the grace to, uh, to, to minister to the, my whole hall, which was McBride Hall, and um, begin to see God do a work. Uh, and see many people come to Jesus uh, during that year. And I think for me, you know, leaving a legacy is interesting because uh, I feel like some of the best convictions happen, as it were, is when theology, you know, meets that practical demonstration. And for me, you know, obviously we see the theological framework, but for me, uh, in addition to that, uh, to be able to go on campus and see men uh, pursuing God walking with God, uh, having Bible studies, uh, wanting other people to know and experience Christ, and then saying, Eric, thanks for being faithful and teaching me about Jesus. I was like, Lord, I can't express it. I can't express the joy of being able to know that my life wasn't just about trying to make money, wasn't just about, you know, being a great finance guy, but that God allowed by his grace, actually to leave, and to, for his grace, to leave a legacy. So even when I was watching Mike Jackson, it was funny, before that video, I was downstairs, met two guys. It was funny. First guy, well, how you, how you, what are you doing here? Oh, Mike Jackson led me to Christ when I was, da, da, da. And I'm like, oh. Then another guy comes over, same kind of journey and story. Guys, I don't share those stories to exalt myself or him. I'm trying to figure out a way to give you a picture and give you a heart. To burn for, oh, my life, God wants it to matter for more than just me. For more than just me. He wants you to live well and leave a legacy. He wants you to do that by walking by faith, communicating your faith, and multiplying your faith. By experiencing healthy and a healthy rhythm, word, relationship, and ministry. And pouring it into other people on your campus. Imagine this body right here. We all go back to our campuses and we all are committed to asking God to use us to multiply our lives. Three or four other people before we leave, before we graduate. Do you see what can happen? Do you see the influence? And when those three or four people are taught, hey, don't just be okay with like now you're saved. Now you, you need to go out and pour your life. Can you, you see what can happen with multiplication? Jesus realized he could change the world. Let's leave a legacy, family. So the clear next step is I want to ask each of, you, each of you to deeply pray and consider when you head back, if you're not in a discipleship relationship, to get in one. And don't get in one just so you can be in a Bible study alone, so you can just grow in Jesus but be strategic and intentional. So you can enjoy Christ, 
but learn and be equipped to pour your life out. Not just in evangelism, but evangelism is part of multiplication so that you can multiply your life. Ask God to raise up disciples through you. You bow your heads, please. Lord, would you give us that grace to experience that, that joy of being obedient, of retelling your story, of following your lead and multiplying our lives. And we ask, Lord, we would see wonderful things on these campuses where men and women are exalting Christ, are growing in their understanding of who God is, where the, the, the outreach, the campus outreach staff is growing because men and women are joining Lord, I pray we would see this room double in years, not just for more numbers, but for influence. We want to influence the world that the world might know you, Jesus. Would you do that in Christ's name? Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Campus Outreach Minneapolis, the college ministry of Bethlehem Baptist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others. But please do not charge for these copies or alter the content in any way without written permission from Campus Outreach Minneapolis. For more information, we invite you to visit us online at newyearsconference.com.